You're listening to an all-new episode of Self-Made Strategies. Visit selfmadestrategies.com for new episodes, information about our guests, and a whole lot more. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Self-Made Strategies podcast. I am your host, Tony Lopes, and with me today is Chef Michael Peacock of The Flying Pie Guy. Hey, Mike, how's it going? Um, well, how are you? Yeah, thanks for being here. This oh, is amazing. Me. Amazing, amazing. Cheers. You are the first Australian on this show. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we have to change that. <laughs> well, I, I welcome the opportunity to uh, to interview more Aussies for sure. Mike, we'll dive right into your to your bio and then really looking forward to hearing about how you started the Flying Pie Guy, what it's all about, food truck culture, really, really big right cool. now. Yeah, definitely. Philly's finally catching ah, up yeah, to the West Philly. Coast. So, awesome. uh, so really interested to hear about your business. So as a child growing up in Australia and New Zealand, Chef Michael Peacock loved when Fridays would come around and lucky boys and girls would be able to order fresh hot pies from their local tuck shop. We'll ask Mike what a tuck shop is in a second, and he'll explain it, but hot pies would be delivered to school just before lunchtime. The classrooms would be filled with excitement as the aroma of freshly baked pies spread throughout the school. In the early 1980s, Mike and his family immigrated to America, New Jersey to be exact. Much to Mike's surprise, his beloved meat pies were nowhere to be found. Mike would watch his mom and dad make meals for his family and loved ones when they would make pastry-filled delights like pies and pasties, which, which, so what are pasties, Mike? I'll stop you right there and, and kind of get into, get into this. So what are, what are, let's start with the tuck shop. What's a tuck shop and then what are pasties? Okay. So tuck shop, uh, tuck shop, best way to describe it is, um, a cafe. Um, but, uh, you know, a tuck shop back in the seventies and eighties and even the nineties, um, is somewhere that's usually outdoor dining, uh, no tables, no chairs. You would just walk up, uh, order your pie, your sausage roll, your burger, whatever it is, grab your drinks and go, and then just walk out onto the beach or walk into the schoolyard, whatever it may be. Awesome. And and eat your food, enjoy it. And so what are pasties? Pasty, uh, I guess the best way to compare, it, it is another form of meat pie, but it looks probably like an oversized empanada. Oh, cool. And so... Um, Although it doesn't have, you know, where we have empanadas from South America, um, the pasties are short crust pastry. They're usually stuffed with um, root vegetables, carrots, potatoes, etc., and usually a cubed steak. My dad makes a oh, killer one. That sounds delicious. Pepper and salt and all kinds of good seasonings. My mouth and, is watering. This yeah, is a, not a good start to this episode because I'll be <laughs> drooling and incapacitated halfway through. So you you were very fond of cooking from early on. You started cooking on your own. You found a love for it. As a teen, you would work in restaurants and beg the chefs to teach you more about the culinary arts, and you just quickly developed this natural love for cooking. You then chose a different career path as you started a family of your own, but you continued to develop your cooking skills on the side. In 2015, you finally make this decision to leave corporate America and to pursue a new career, one that you were finally passionate about, and that's how the Flying Pie Guy was born. So tell us about that you know, time period in your life. What was your corporate gig? What was going on? And how did you finally take that leap? I, um, I, so I worked in the sales and account management world. It was a fun job and it was something different every day. Um, but I was working extremely hard and, um, you know, I got my accolades for it, but, um, you know, and as, as my pay, uh, went up and things like that, there was still a lot missing and, and I missed 
uh, being an entrepreneur. I was an entrepreneur when I was younger. So I, as I, you know, I got to the point where I just had enough of the corporate world and everybody that works in the corporate world knows that it's 50% work and 50% politics. And exactly. uh, I'm not very good at the politics end of it. Um, so, uh, you know, I had the opportunity to, to kind of branch out and explore something I was passionate about. And so I took it. That's and, awesome. So yeah. did you just buy the food truck? Walk us through the process of going from you love cooking on the side. Cause this is something actually just that I'll, I'll share here. I haven't really had the opportunity to talk about how I love cooking. As a mm, matter of fact, okay. I have a smoker in my backyard, nice. love smoking meats, love, um, uh, my wife got me a, uh, a, a copper cataplana, which is like nice. a giant clamshell cooking thing, yeah. uh, used cooking in Spain thing. and Portugal yeah. cooking <laughs> thing, <laughs> cooking apparatus. So I, I made a paella the other day oh, and nice. I, I love just exploring flavors and the creativity of it. So that's one thing that's always kind of been in the back of my mind, right? Is I don't know that I could ever turn this into, let me go start a restaurant, even though I love, love, love cooking, but it, it kind of harkens back to, I was a, um, an auto mechanic. Uh, not that the, this is episode is about you, so no, I'll make okay. this it's as quick good. as possible. Okay. I was an auto mechanic fresh out of high school before okay. I went to college, before I decided to become a lawyer, all of those things. Um, and I loved it working in the backyard on a car. That was really exciting yeah. and interesting to me, yeah. even if it was just a brake job or an oil yeah, change sure. or whatever. When it became a career, it sucked. Things change. Yeah. Yeah. So, so walk us through that part of it and how you avoided that pseudo burnout early on, taking your passion into. <laughs> not, not so sure I avoided it. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> well, how did you get past it? Um, uh, that's interesting. So, uh, when I decided to to uh, become an entrepreneur uh, in the food world, it was a huge uh, leap for me. Mm -hmm. um, my family and friends thought I was absolutely out of my mind. Um, you know, they were very supportive, but they, they were like, what is he doing? Like, you know, so um, it all started when uh, my cousin was here from New Zealand and we're sitting in a pub in New York and we um, were having a couple of drinks and I'm like, I really, I, I just got to get out of the corporate world. I gotta, I'm done. And uh, he's, he's an executive for a big bank and, and he, he goes, oh, I, I hear it. Yeah. You know, and we started talking about these coffee franchises in New Zealand. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, yeah, well, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll research it a little bit. And so I did and they wouldn't sell me a franchise in America. So then I started looking and I'm like, well, maybe I can do it myself. And it morphed from coffee to coffee and muffins and brownies and things like that. And, mm -hmm. But then I'm, I was talking to another friend and, and he's, he was right. He goes, what do you know best? And I'm like, Australian meat pies. He goes, there you go. And I'm like, nah. And he's, he's like, yeah. He goes, if anyone can do it, you can do it. That's awesome. And I'm like, you know what? Okay. So I, 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 uh, I did a lot of research, a lot, a year of research before wow. I was going to, I knew that the expenditures were going to be high. Mm -hmm. um, I had to put a, um, a secure business plan together um, and I had to really think things through. Um, the food truck world is a world that you got to be ready for. It's not easy. Um, a lot of videos out there that show show how, how much fun it is. You don't get to see the the grinding oh, back yeah. end, the long days. Yep. Um, unfortunately, people do get into it, and they um, they get into it thinking it's going to be a quick. Uh, oh, we'll go out for six hours. We'll make a couple of grand, and we'll no, it just doesn't work that way. It's, right. it's, there's a lot of back end on it. Um, I. Uh, I was about 95% uh, ready to go and I just wanted to kind of seal the deal and I jumped on a plane. I went to Australia for three weeks and 
I hit every pie shop I could find um, wow. from from uh, Sydney all the way up to Brisbane, and and I hit and I was talking to bakers, and I was just talking to everybody, and some people were uh, onto what I was doing and didn't not like it, and some people were extremely helpful, and um, I came back and I was a hundred percent, I was ready to go, and I and I dove into it, and I uh, I bought a truck online, um, sight unseen. Um, I remember, uh, I think it was two days after New Year's Eve or something like that. I jumped on a plane. I went out to Ohio. I secured the deal. I rented a car because it was a snowstorm and my flight was canceled. I had to drive, I don't know, eight hours to wherever I was in Indiana, whatever, pick up the truck. Wow. It had six miles on it. I drove it down to Florida, dropped it off. I'd already, you know, set up a deal with the, with the builders, um, dropped it off. Uh, it took about three and a half months to build out. Wow. Get the design done. Um, get the brand done, uh, just everything I had to get lined up. And it was just fast forward from there. And then I, then I knew I had uh, three months to get everything perfect before the spring food truck season hit. You know, wow. and, and this food truck world, I'm like, oh, I got this. I can handle this. <laughs> I remember going out, my first event was June 4th. It was called the Food Truck Mashup, I believe. And it was at the Meadowlands. And it was Philly versus Jersey trucks. It was a competition. And uh, they let me in representing Philly, and I remember getting parked, and I was parked right behind uh, Mama's Meatballs, which was one of the oh, – Mama's Balls, sorry. It's one of the probably number one food trucks in, in Philly. I think they're ranked number one, wow. and they're amazing. And Mike Antonor took me under his wing, and he's laughing at me. He's just like, you know, we went through this event, and I'd never seen anything like it. Probably 30,000 people showed up. Whoa. And every truck was – stacked with lines you couldn't and even though my serve times were you know at the time they were still about 20 seconds um we've narrowed it down now to about 10 seconds but uh we just couldn't get the pies out and baked fast enough and we sold something like 600 pies it was the, it was the launch whoa and i'm like i sat back and i looked at all the receipts and i'm looking at all the numbers and i'm like wow i picked a winner and you know, Mike's like, oh, you got the wrong shoes on. You got the wrong pants on. He goes, he's, he's like, he, he's like, he, he, no, you're not going to last dressed like that. It's just not going to work. So he uh, he helped me a lot. He helped me uh, tremendously. And and um, I remember going to the next event and getting to the event uh, two hours early, baking off 400 pies, getting all set up. And uh, I think we sold 100 pies. And it was a struggle. It was a 10-hour 100 pies. And um I'm like, wait a second here. I'm like, whoa, hold on a second. What happened to the 600 pies from the first side? I'm like, what's up? You know, even though I had had hired uh, consultants, one Mm -hmm. from Philly and one from Florida, Mm -hmm. uh, to help me with a lot of the uh, unanswered. Don't, you know, and I'll say to entrepreneurs out there, don't ever be afraid of asking for help and and hiring the right people, but make sure you hire the right people that that can actually truthfully help you and don't have, you know, other agendas or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh, it was my fault. I didn't listen to one of the one of the consultants telling me that you, you really got to pick the right events. Um, yeah, it was a real eye opener, you know. So um, I just, you know, with the food truck thing, is you just keep plugging, you rise and grind every day. It's just like being an entrepreneur and anything else, anything right. else that you right. do. If you're not willing to literally give up your life for what you're going after, then don't do it. You know, it's it's a hundred percent grind. It's it's uh, you know, I was in a meeting. I was in a meeting last week with some people, and and we were talking about it, and, and they knew nothing about the food truck world, and and the best way to explain it is uh, it's fifteen to eighteen hour days, seven days a week, and I've been doing that for now for almost four years. 
Um, how are you still standing? And how do you have pants on? I, I just, <laughs> I just <laughs> any any pair of pants at that point if you're working that much, that's insane. That's you know, great. Um, it's uh, it, it's just a passion that I have to build my brand, and I have awesome. I, I have a, a you know I want to go national with my brand. I have an amazing product, and and I'm not I'm not trying to be cocky. It's just from the feedback I get from my customers, I have an amazing product. So right. I, I've been learning that over the last four years. Why I chose a food truck. Um, I have what is known as a disruptive product. Um, it's something that people don't know about. The closest items that I think Americans are going to find to my products are pot pies. Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody knows that a pot pie in a supermarket is, is not a high-value meal. Right. Um, and then there's uh, empanadas and, and pasties and different types of meat pies. Um, and, you know... Um, Choosing, choosing to go to the food truck, I wanted to test my demographics. I wanted to test my market. And I thought a food truck, because the food truck craze is happening right now and it's, it's still going and it's still going strong, mm-hmm. um, it was a good way to, for me to test who loved my products and who didn't want to love my products. And then I could also develop my products to meet the palates of my customers. And if I listen to my customers when they – I love working the food truck. Uh, 90% of the time when you come to my food truck, it's me on the window. Um, wow. and, uh, you know, people that I'm involved with business don't like that, but, um, some of them do. And some of them understand that I have to be there, um, you know, to, to be in front of my customers and be the face of the brand. And so I, I was able to go out and test. I can go South Jersey. I can go to Philly. I can go to North Jersey. I can go to New York. I can take it to Florida. I can go anywhere I want to. And that's the way I built the truck. Right. Uh, and you're getting that sort of live feedback like you said yeah, being just, at the window 90 percent of the time you're getting customer feedback right yep. away a couple of things <clears> to unpack there one you talked about hiring the right people and the right consultants what's your process for making sure that they are the right people and the right consultants you know i've i've, I've got a um what i would consider a good habit in business and that is i research the heck out of everything um you know back in the 80s and early 90s you didn't have the internet um you know, what entrepreneurs have at their fingertips now is, is absolutely priceless. Um, of course, you don't believe everything you read on the internet, but um, you can get a lot of information from the internet. And what I do is I dive in, and if I'm looking for something kind of specific, I'll see how many times that specific piece of information is repeated on the internet by multiple people. Um, oh, that's interesting. So you're doing just classic Googling, LinkedIn-ing, um, all that stuff. LinkedIn is... When, also double-checking it versus what you're reading elsewhere. Yeah, I'm always double-checking. Um, I've, 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 uh, I've made mistakes. Um, you know, it's, it's, you're going to make mistakes as an entrepreneur. Um, but I've made mistakes, and, and some of those mistakes can be costly. Thankfully, mine haven't been, um, and I've been able to recover. But, um, you know, by hiring the wrong people... Um, you're wasting money. You're just throwing it out the out the window. That's a great point. So going back though, I don't I don't know that we actually drilled down on going from this is your passion. You're making it in your kitchen. I know your friend told you you know you were the guy to to do it, and that motivated you. But you face a lot of hurdles along the way. Obviously, building the food truck is a major one. I, <laughs> I had a friend who 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 in college um, was coming up with a food truck concept and. And he was looking into doing this food truck. And I remember him telling us, this was in college, obviously, that it would cost him 75 grand to put together the food truck fully built to his, to his spec. Right. 
and uh, you're nodding. That's that's right about what what it would cost to set up a food truck, right? So, I mean, when you're facing all of these hurdles, when you're when you're going around, you've got to figure all this stuff out. How do you maintain that drive to stick with it and not go back to your corporate gig? I guess I have a bit of an obsessive personality. If I if I focus on something and I make my, a promise to myself and 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 my loved ones that I'm going to do something, I've got the type of personality and the drive and the ambition to see it through. Um, if if I listen to to naysayers who would tell me you're not going to make it, that's a silly idea. You're going to waste money. Da da da. I wouldn't be where I've uh, made it to today. Right. Um, I, I'm not the type of person. Um, I, I am the type of person. If you tell me I can't do something, <laughs> you're going to be yeah. hold on and watch. <laughs> hold my beer. <laughs> I've, got, I've got. To, I'm going to prove you wrong. Believe Love me. That. Love that. You're in the food truck, obviously. Like you said, about ninety percent of the time, getting direct from your consumer feedback, right, right. whether it's with their, you know, eyes and their re- their body language and their reactions, or whether it's actual feedback on the spot. To what degree are you constantly reiterating your your pies and offering new products based on customer feedback? Um, it's not so much offering new products as it is tweaking the ones I had. Um, mm-hmm. I was I was lucky enough to be able to work with Drexel University's Food Lab in in Philly and um, nice. some and some of the directors and chefs there, who are what I who I would consider world class chefs. They um, I won't say their names, but they are—they're um, really good at what they do. And when I, so, when I wanted to come out with, um, there was a bi- there's a big food contest in New Jersey. It's a food truck slash food contest. Um, mm-hmm. It's held by uh, uh, Spark Market Solutions. Uh, it's Memorial Day weekend, and it's at Monmouth Racetrack. Um, it's every year, and um, I was going in it for the first time, and and. All I really wanted to do was to put the, the words award winning on my pies. So I was like, you know what? We're going to come up with something good. That's awesome. And I loved the, the recipes that I had, but I really wanted to do something really amazing. And that's when, when uh, the Drexel people stepped in and helped me. And we came up with the steak and uh, what we call now the steak and stout pie, which is um, steak with um, uh, Guinness stout gravy. Cool. That and sounds delicious. It's, uh, we use all organic uh, Australian grass fed beef. Um, wow. It's super tender because we cook the beef in the Guinness beer for six hours. So it just has time for all the flavors to come together. And, um, you know, there are other other seasonings, of course, going into that and, and different process. But um, so we did. We, so we entered it and um, and we won the Cutting Edge Cuisine Award, which was, which was a really cool award. So, uh, yeah, we're very happy with that. And um, but that, you know, that. Then they, then of course the press gets involved and they start writing about it, and then people are, you know, catching on. And right. um, you know, in the food truck world, any press you can get, whether it's good or bad, is good press, no matter, <laughs> no matter which way you look at it. You obviously yeah. want it to be good right, press. Right, right. Good is better, but but bad yeah. happens. PR it's happened is to PR, me. Right? Go ahead and Google my company. You're gonna see some <laughs> some little mishaps here and there. But you know, uh, no, the press has been good to us, and um, you know, uh, NJ.com, Peter Genovese, and people like that um, yeah, have judged our food and, and recognized that it. It's something, something special. So, um, yeah, I, you know, always, always love to kind of win awards. And um, coming out of the gate, um, we we knew that we had to have an outstanding crust. Um, if it was going to be an Aussie meat pie that we were doing, we had to have an outstanding crust. And um, 
you know, once we started getting the feedback from our customers and then reviews online and things like that, we were able to study whether we had the right crust. We decided we had the right crust and we were good to go. Uh, I made a huge mistake, um, 2018, where I allowed a food scientist to talk me into uh, changing my crust. And he did. And, um, it was a bad mistake. Luckily, I uh, caught it. Um, the product was um, not my crust. It was good. It wasn't my crust. And um, I fought with him and ended up firing him um, because he uh, used the, well, you're using my crust or you're not working with me. You know, he's the celebrity chef. So yeah. I was like, you know what? We're not working with you. Have a nice day. <laughs> he's like, what? That was easy. Nobody fires me. I'm like, well, it just happened for the yeah, first time. Yeah. Have a nice day. You know, happy to be a trailblazer. Yeah, right? you know what? So why, why did he want to change your crust though? He was wanted it? to scale up and and okay. basically uh, uh, he was looking at more profits, profits over quality, and that's not the way of what I stand for in my product. Um, it's uh, quality and customer service over everything. Right. Um, I would rather make less money on my product and have a happy customer than have a mediocre product and make more money. I just that's just the way I am, um, and I stick to it. Um, it was a mistake. It was a costly mistake. Um, uh, set me back quite a bit. Um, I had purchased a large amount of it. I then had to literally throw it in the garbage can and start again and go back to my original um, uh, chefs and bakers and and uh, kind of revamp. And, um, and luckily they took me back. One of them made a very not so nice comment to me. Right. He's like, you do that again to me and we're done. We're done. And yeah. I'm like, you know what? It won't happen again. That's awesome. And like, if you know, so you, you mentioned that. And even before we turned the mics on, you were talking about how customer service is one of the main tenants of your business for a food truck, especially in Philly, not something you see very frequently. Um, <laughs> no disrespect to any Philly um, business in particular, but we're, we're kind of yeah. known for our, our gritty nature, so to speak. Yeah. And there's nothing um, wrong with that. Um, but so how do you ensure what, what are your sort of either internal or formal tests or, or, uh, checklist items that you have in the back of your mind that need to be present for you to be hitting your customer service goals? Whether they leave with a smile or not, and that's usually it. But though, you know what? You don't want to say no to your customers. And so we've designed the uh, the way we operate the truck to, A, you know, one of the big things is I don't care what kind of food you have and I, can, I don't care what brand you have and how mm -hmm. famous your food truck has become. But if a customer has to wait 30 minutes for his food, you have failed miserably. At a food truck, yeah. You have failed completely. And um, luckily, uh, one of the consultants I hired um, helped us design the truck so we could get the food out as fast as possible. And we've actually modified that and made it better. Um, my serve time is 10 seconds. Wow. You, you ask for your pie within 10 seconds. I'm not going to guarantee it like Domino's used to guarantee their delivery. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you, um, the only things that will slow us down are uh, if you order French fries and, or if you use a credit card. But wow. usually we, we time them and we try to get faster wow. and better at it and better at it. And um, we want our customers to come to the truck, order their pie, and, and the biggest comment we get is, God, that was fast, you know. But, you know, um, that and giving them what they want, you know, um, you know, uh, making sure that we can say yes to pretty much everything. You know, um, if a customer's not happy with their pie, it, you know, 
knock on wood, but thankfully it doesn't happen very often, yeah. but it, it has happened and uh, we take that very seriously. Um, and we uh, give them their money back or we give them a different pie if they just happen to not like the flavor of the one that they chose. Um, you know, I've, we've had parents come and give uh, steak and stout pie to their five-year-old, and we think that's probably a little too robust of a flavor for a five-year-old, <laughs> and the five-year-old didn't like it. So Start him early. <laughs> let me give you the beef, bacon, and cheddar. I, I, I know he's going to like that yeah, a little, a little bit, bit better. better. You know, that yeah, type of thing. Cool. But we don't mind. We, it's, it's, you know, money-back guarantee if you don't like the product, but it very cool. doesn't happen very often. And so you're looking to expand your business. Very soon you'll be launching into e-commerce. Can we talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So um, the, the e-commerce site is, uh, I'm, I'm literally sitting here waiting for an email. Um, my web designer is in Australia. Um, I, you know, uh, another costly mistake was not finding the right web designer. I've gone through, you know, I've been in uh, June 4th will be my fourth year anniversary and I've been through five websites. Wow. Um, you know, and I'm not happy with the one that we have now, but I'm happy enough to get it launched. It's a Shopify website, and um, right. we are starting to sell the pies. We get a lot of emails, and I hate, again, I hate saying no to people, right. but I get emails from all over the country. When can I try your pies? We, you know, why is the food truck the only way we can get to it? And it frustrates people, and you start to probably lose customers at that point. Right, right. So, yeah, we, we've, I've been pushing hard for the last three weeks to get the e-commerce going. Uh, the flyingpieguy.com, um, hopefully tomorrow morning, you'll be, <laughs> you'll be able to start. You'll be able so to, hopefully by the she's time working on it. She's, it's there hard to go. communicate. You got a 15 hour time change. So, and on that site, you'll be offering ready to bake, uh, down under style pies and other goodies that people can order. And then will be shipped across America. Yeah. Shipped, uh, anywhere in the continental United States. And, um, so the, the packaging, um, we have very special packaging. We did a lot of research on. Um, it's, uh, it's one, it's sustainable packaging. It's all biodegradable. Um, we don't, we don't use those big styrofoam coolers because, um, nice. what do you do with them in the end? You right. know, right. uh, they just go in a landfill and they never rot away. Uh, so what we're using actually is we're using a, a, um, a recycled cardboard box, uh, made out of recycled material. And then we're using a compressed de- denim. Um, so basically the company, and this is really cool. They go into clothing factories and they sweep the floor after the shift is over and they take all of that, wow. all the scraps, and they run it through a process and they compress it into the size you tell them to. So mine specifically is, I don't know, let's say it's it's a two-part thing, so it's maybe 15 inches wide or, or something, or 14 inches mm-hmm. wide, something like that. Um, you can get it in one inch thick and you can get it an inch and a half. It actually holds the product cold longer than the styrofoam does. And this is something we've gone with. And the denim is wrapped in a plastic that is biodegradable. Wow. Um, so it's, uh, I don't know the exact composition of the plastic, but I know it's got rice paper in it. Amazing. Um, so that's just all biodegradable, recyclable material. So you're not going to have all these big boxes and not know what to get, you know. And they're reusable. You know, if you receive our pies and you want to uh, send some pies to a friend of yours, you go ahead, use the packaging again. It's good to go. You throw in an ice pack. Uh, or two, and if we're shipping to the colder, uh, sorry, the warmer states like Texas or Southern California or Arizona, uh, we start to incorporate dry ice into the packaging. Um, what's more important to me is my pies arrive in great shape. Awesome. Um, and in during the market testing, we, we we order pies from our competitors across the United States, and we then judge them on the condition they arrive in, um, how they package them you know, different, different things like that. And so we, we tested ours and 
I've got friends in South Florida, I've got friends in Texas, and we send pies down to them, and then they call me up and tell me, all right, they arrived at this temperature, and they actually tested for us. And oh, it's really cool. cool. That's nice. So, yeah, we will be doing that very soon. And how else are you maintaining your quality control um, to make sure that your flavors, that your perishability, I, I know you're having friends test them, but on the grand scale, things will change, right? Once you're producing at, let's say, 1,000 pies, 10,000 pies, whatever it is. Um, we are using currently uh, a contract kitchens. Um, we got to the point where we were doing it. We had uh, we had uh, two chefs uh, plus myself um, plus two other employees and a food truck manager, mm-hmm. and it was it it was uh, we were we were pumping out a lot of pies, and um, we actually had a company uh, way back in the beginning contact us to white label the pies, and they were actually selling them as uh, South African pies under their own brand. And they were selling way more penny pies than I could sell. Um, <laughs> it got to the point they were selling so many pies I had to back off. Wow. Um, that was easier. But we got to the point where we just couldn't handle, literally couldn't handle the um, the amount of pies needed to maintain. If you go to a, you know, in the food truck world, a lot of people will go to an event. Ah, yeah, we sold out early. That's not a good thing. It, right. it, yes, right, right. It, it speaks highly of your food and your customer base and everything else. But at the same time, you're missing out on a lot of, lot of money, but you're also missing out on taking care of people that may got off work at 4 o'clock and wanted, right. and wanted exactly. to hit your truck and, right. and you were right. sold out and they're disappointed. You've lost another customer. So uh, uh, I forgot where I was. Yeah, we were talking about quality control long oh, the quality term control. and how I'm you were, sorry. Yeah. I get long-winded. That's all right. Go no off problem. on tangents, I yeah, apologize. Yeah. No, um, that's good. That's what we like on this show. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the, the, so when I when I uh, started reaching out to different co-packers and uh, people to do it, I, I know I have a very special pro- uh, product that I needed to, uh, you know, maintain and protect. Uh, the values I have, uh, a lot of co-packers are looking for uh, volume mm-hmm. because they're making a very lower margin. Um, and then when they're doing that type of large volume, um, quality uh, tends to maybe slip sometimes. Right. I did experience that with some people. I have gone through several co-packers. I have terminated our agreements with co-packers. I've, I don't, I'm, not a, I'm not a tough guy. I don't walk into the co-packer and be like, hey, idiot like what is this this is not my product i try to work with them and if they're resistant to working with me um we we terminate the agreement and move on right and we've done that several times Uh, i'm lucky now because i have um uh, my dough is being uh uh, produced by a very large bakery in north in in one of the northern states um they only do dough um and uh they do they have big customers so they they can handle big volume if 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 it expands right right um if if and you know I, I don't want to switch I don't want to say okay well your capacity is fifty thousand pieces you know and but we need five hundred thousand pieces you know just I don't want to get into that so I try to secure relationships with people that I can grow into the biggest Got thing it. is getting somebody that does a run for a really big pot pie company in in America and they're doing a five hundred thousand piece run. Um, you know, hey, can you do two thousand pieces for me? They're like, um, <laughs> yeah, right. whatever. Right. You know, right. like really, right. like, yeah. like, and then they think, you know, with with working with this guy Mike is um, is pretty cool because he remembers. I mean, he's big time, and but he remembers when he wasn't big time. 
Oh, that's nice. And he's cool. And so he's like, oh, he's like, all right, your minimum is 4000 And I'm like, all right, I'll take it. You know, we'll do 4000 So he's still willing to work. He's with still willing you. to work yeah. with me, but he's pressuring me all the time. Like, oh, when are we getting bigger runs? I'm like, this takes that's an funny. hour, 4000 pieces. I do that blindfolded. Oh, you know, that's great. Busting my chops. I'm like, okay, we're getting there. We're getting there, you know. That's but, awesome. Yeah, and then working – uh, as far as the quality of the fillings and things like that, it, again, very difficult. But um, now we're working with a with a co-packing facility in Philadelphia. Um, the gentleman is British trained. He knows exactly what a meat pie is. He knows what the consistency has to be. He knows everything about it. Wow. And I got very lucky. Um, and he is extremely helpful and open to uh, changing things if I have to. Um, and things like that. Uh, he's a USDA facility. It's awesome. Um, so when I go to expand and I need US, USDA certification, which will, will happen this year, I'm able to uh, just st- step it up and get all my labels approved for the government and go and go through all that whole process, you know. Very cool. But he's willing to work with me. He knows what my expectations are, and I have very high expectations. And part of the contract with any any co-packer I work with written into the contract is I get to show up when I want to, anytime I want to. Anytime they're doing a run for my product, I get to walk in. Nice. Robe up, glove up, and walk right onto the plant. That's and, great. And make sure it's happening the way. So that you can really look into the quality. That's amazing. And when they hear that, then they're like, you know. It's we're going to take this guy seriously. Yeah, we're going to take him seriously. So. Now, um, you're talking about expansion. Obviously, the e-commerce thing is a big part of that. But you're very focused on customer service and a high level of quality, which which I totally respect. But how do you do that while at the same time trying to expand, right? The e-commerce thing aside, because you have some fair degree of control over that. But if you expand, let's say, into franchising or you expand into other states with other locations, you can only be in so many truck windows at one time, exactly right? right. Or, or so many shops at one time. So what's your strategy or your game plan to head into that new sort of tangential realm? That's what's happening now. Um, um, I, I've, I've been lucky enough to meet some people um, uh, in the business world, very successful entrepreneurs. And, um, they're helping me navigate some of the growth and scaling pains that I have. And um, one of those, it was very interesting, um, and I didn't quite, quite grasp it at first. Um, I have to hire this year, I have to hire a uh, COO, and I need somebody to take over operations and meet my standards at the same time. Right. Um, essentially, I have to give up control and um, – my family can tell you that that's probably a bad thing to try to get me to, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's not going to be an overnight thing. Well, I think it's inherent when you're a perfectionist, but I which you to. seem to be, yeah. right? And it's t- the toughest thing for you to let go of when you're a perfectionist right. and you care about quality and you care about customer service is that, right? So how do you instill and impart that onto somebody else? Uh, it's going to be tough. That um, They have to be open to working with me, mm-hmm. and um, a lot of them are. And a lot of them, you know, uh, I, I'm actually not going to hire a full-time COO. Um, I'm going to outsource it. Interesting. And um, I've chosen to outsource it because there are specialists that um, have the skill sets that I'm looking for um, that they don't necessarily have to work for me. Um, being an entrepreneur and frugal, I don't want to pay the taxes for having employees. I don't want to pay health care and I don't want to, you know, I just don't want to, yeah. you know, I'd rather just outsource it, 
Uh, they work for me. It's right. under contract. Uh, it's just like they work for me in my office, but they just don't. And I've and I've hired them to do it. Um, I'm meeting with them. Um, meeting with one, next, two next week. Um, nice. So I'm in that process now of of find, finding the right management company. Uh, it's important to me that that management company at least has an office in Philadelphia, um, to make it. Uh, easier for me yeah so you, you can know. get some face time. I, I like facetime so you can put on the uh the robe and get onto the factory floor so to that's speak. that's pretty much it I, you know, <laughs> I, I just, uh, I'm, I'm gonna give up control but not 100 percent. you yeah, know what right. i mean so yeah you know i, I just uh, this is my baby and i've worked very hard to yep, get it to where it's at and um you know but the the business associates who, whom i'm dealing with now are looking at me going, no, you're going to give up control. Yeah. And we're going to teach you how to do that and still trust the fact that it's Well, you have to to be able to scale, right? That's, I have to. that's almost that's the inherent the bottom line. foundation. You know, I joke around yeah. about it, but the truth is, um, from a business standpoint, I cannot continue to wear all the hats. I cannot continue right. to control every aspect of the business. Um, I, I, I am facing a bit of a burnout right, right now. Luckily, right. it's wintertime right. and it's a little slower, but I'll. Our schedule's booked all the way into October now and wow. going into the year. So, yeah, we're, we're going to have a busy year. Wow. So, um, yeah, we're booking a lot of events um, and plus the e-commerce launch and everything else. It's time for me to, like, uh, kind of let go of a little bit of control and, and get some specialists in there to to take care of what needs to be taken care of. Understood. Um, you know, that will include, you know, uh, somewhat from what I understand now is, um, and I'm still getting my head around it, I have to become the brand. I have to become the face, and I have to become the brand. That's right. going to be a full-time job in itself, from what I understand. Um, I'm now I'm meeting with uh, PR companies, and I'm, working, I'm meeting with um, specialists, and I've met, oh, probably in the, just in the last four weeks, I've met six people who are famous brands. Wow. You see their face, and you instantly think of their product, that type of branding. Um but you have to become that to become a household name, like a to. Tony Luke, who like was Tony Luke who was the one who introduced us. You yeah. were in the room when we recorded the Tony Luke episode. Right. Oh, um, I was there for that. And, and um, yeah, I mean, Tony's a great guy, and yes, and he, he he certainly has blazed that trail. What advice are you getting from those types of people to develop your brand? Um. Well, Tony Luke Jr., for instance, um, he and I were introduced uh, a few years ago uh, by another friend of mine, John Cole. Um, and, um, Tony and I hit it off and we've become close friends. And so we're, you know, we spend time together. And, uh, if I have a question, he's, he's, he's open to helping me, whatever that is. I mean, I'll never forget we're, um, we were filming, uh, for, uh, the Wolfpack Philly Mm -hmm. and we were filming in, uh, Moshaloo, uh, the rest of the floating restaurant, the, the ship down on the waterfront. And um, it was the last scene uh, for the show. And um, I must have said something negative. I don't know what it is that I said. But if you picture at a large table and Tony is sitting right to my right. And, I mean, this is the type of help I get. I said something and I don't remember what it was, recall. And he looks at me and goes, shut up. Nothing. Nothing negative. Nothing. You hear me? Wow. Just like that. And I'm like, I look around the room. I'm like, what did I say? And he just goes, nothing. 
<laughs> you say nothing. Thanks, Pat. Uh, that's great. Thanks, buddy. That's great. <laughs> appreciate appreciate the point. No, that's actually really cool advice, though. I, I um, Tony, obviously one of the masters of marketing. Um, oh yeah, God, yeah, for sure, absolutely. And to hear him say that is really interesting. He's so client focused, he so messaging focused that he's he's constantly, I guess, just in his and mind. He's, and he's taught, he's taught me a lot about customer service too. Interesting. Uh, and watching him, I've been in his restaurants when he's behind the counter and he's serving customers. And let me tell you, his focus is 100% customer, just Amazing. like mine. And, and it's, it's really awesome to watch. And so, all right, what are your top three tips that you've received from people like Tony Luke? Well, something, you know, that's something that I've always believed in, but um, also, you know, has been kind of restated several times is um, customers are number one. Mm-hmm. And and that's the way I, I've always looked at it. I was, you know, I learned that when I was 21 years old. I worked at a, as a busboy in a five-star restaurant in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Wow. Where the customers will pull up on their 100-foot yachts and, and tie up and come inside. And people that successful that can afford a 100-foot yacht expect and deserve uh, premium service. And so I learned a lot there. So, yeah, Tony, uh, watching Tony and talking to Tony, it's all about the customer. It's all about the customer. Without the customer, any entrepreneur listening out there, without a customer, sure, of course, you don't have anything. Yep. You don't have anything. You could have an amazing product. Sometimes you speak to entrepreneurs and, you know, for whatever reason, we all kind of get into this peaks and valleys thing, yes, right? Do. Where yep. why, why is my product not selling? Why right. is my service Absolutely. not doing well? Whatever. Absolutely. But sometimes you speak to an entrepreneur or to a business owner and what, what we hear is, I'm putting my hand out. Why is no one putting money in it? Right. And that's precisely the problem, right? Right. You're, you've lost your consumer or, or client-centric focus. Yes, you have. And you're no longer catering to them. You're catering to yourself. Right. Right. It's actually a selfish maneuver, uh, a selfish mindset. And, um, you know, people may not like to hear that, but it's the truth. If you focus on your customer and your customer's happy and your customer's a repeat customer, they will continue to spend money with you. Um, if you focus on the money, you're going to fail. You're going to fail miserably. It's going to hurt. It's going to suck. It's going to be humiliating, no matter which way you look at it. So if you focus on the customer and you focus on giving the customer what they want, all the rest will fall into place. That's a good point. It's a great point. So do you, to what extent, going back to this whole concept of customer service, you're at the window, and yes, if they leave with a smile on their face, you know you've done your job, right? Right, right. <laughs> Exaggeration. <laughs> <laughs> to what extent are you actually asking them, hey, what would you change about this pie? I or- do, I do. And they actually, um, so some of them are uh, kind of taken back by me engaging them in that in that way because I don't, I just, they're not used to it. Uh, I think a lot of people have sort of a, a burned-in vision of what a food truck is or what a food truck should be or what a right. food truck is like or what their experiences <laughs> have been. And I think we operate ours a little bit differently. Um yeah, it's just uh, I ask the customers, um, you know, if if I hear, oh, this is awesome, what's awesome about it you know, are my questions, you know. Are you Australian? Yeah, have you been? You know, you engage your customer. It's, right. like, it's like being at a trade show on a trade show floor. You're only going to get something out of it as you engage people. You know, you're talking to people. It's all part of sales. But, you, um, yeah, you just engage them. And um, they don't expect it either is engage them when they're not happy find out and they'll tell you, you know, especially when they're not happy. Yeah. They'll usually they'll tell, tell you, you what's they'll, they'll absolutely yeah. tell you right. what right. is wrong. 
Right. You know, it could That's be the point. French fries aren't as hot as they wanted them to be to, you know, it wasn't what they were expecting or, or whatever it may be. Um, but you turn, you turn the focus, even if it's negative, you turn the focus on yourself, not on the customer. So you suck the focus back out to yourself. So if they're not happy about something, you sort of make it your fault. With accountability. With accountability, with, with be accountable for it. a very hat-in-hand, humble kind of approach. Yeah, absolutely. What can I do to fix it? What can I do to make you happy? What can I do to, to, to change it? You know, I, I, I remember it wasn't, it wasn't a month ago. Uh, I believe we were at Colts Next Stillhouse, one of the locations that we vend uh, at in New Jersey. And a uh, um, couple of guys are regular customers, and I recognize them. And um, he happened to make a comment about our chicken pie. Um, that it wasn't, it was a, you know, secondhand comment. It was his wife wasn't happy with it. Mm-hmm. And um, so I asked him, what is it that she's not happy about? I wanted to know. I wanted to know, absolutely. Me, I've got this mentality, I've, I can please everybody. And you know, my family's been telling me for decades, Mike, not happening. <laughs> <laughs> stop. <laughs> it's not, I don't care. It's not happening. Just stop. Yeah. But I stop asking me. (laughs) Well, you know what I, the way I look at it is if you've got a, you've got an unhappy customer. Right. 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 That means you actually have 20 unhappy customers and only one of them saying something. That's a good point. Right. Right. So there's a leak in the ship. Yeah. There's, and and this is your opportunity. This is the opportunity to fix it. Right. Get raw, real feedback while they're eating the product right in front of you. Um, Offer them something else offer them a different pie, da, da, da. It happened to be, and it was, and it's, it's public perception of, of, of the product. Um, the chicken pie has kale in it. Now, kale is notoriously bitter. Right. Not the way we cook it because we sweat it in butter. It takes the bitterness out of it. Butter will take the bitterness out Absolutely. of anything. Absolutely. <laughs> anything. <laughs> so, so, um, especially if you, you said sweat it in butter, sweat it. Yeah. So you see, so you, so you melt butter in a pan and then you add um, whatever the vegetable may be. Mm-hmm. It's usually onions that people sweat. And one of the things, as it heats in the butter and the oil wraps around it, it sweats the active flavors sort of out of it. So if, if, if raw onions have a bitter taste to them, or kale has a bitter taste to it, if you sweat it, it'll for the lack of a better word, bleed out. Interesting. The, like the caramelization the process right, kind of thing. Right. That's why caramelized onions are exactly, sweeter. Right. Exactly. Right, and, right, it, right. and so it, it, it's, it's pushing the bitterness out of it. And then it, that disperses into the butter and it, it doesn't disappear, but it's dispersed instead of concentrated. So that's what sweating is. Um, Very cool. So, yeah, with the, with the kale, um, she just knows kale. She knew kale as bitter. Um, she just didn't give it the opportunity to be different, be different. Um, <laughs> once I explained it to her husband, he says, uh, all right, well then, um, give me a chicken one and I'll take it to her and let's see what she says on your explanation. I haven't heard back, so I don't know. Oh, okay. I don't gotcha. know what the outcome gotcha, was, gotcha, but, gotcha. but that's the time of listening, you know, listening to your customer and then trying to, trying to explain it to them. Sometimes you can explain things away. Right. Sometimes right. they just have this, um, this vision of their head in the head about something. And to your point, you're, you're really offering them a lot of engagement in the resolution process. Right. Right. Cause you're saying, Hey, what can I do to make this right? And sometimes people just want to be heard or they want to be yep. recognized, yes. you know, yes. th- that you recognize the fact that something's wrong and they, just, it, just it makes asking. them feel better. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. It makes asking. them feel better yeah. about themselves and, and that they're being heard. They're being heard from right. 
exactly, you know, I guess they're used to maybe not being happy about a product and nobody listening to them. Right. And it's a frustrating thing in this world because it seems like customer service has all but disappeared. Um, sadly. Sadly. Very sadly. Um, and that's why we step it up also because now we get, It's a great way to differentiate yourself. Yeah, exactly. Just to be nice to people. Just be nice. Just <laughs> smile. Hi. How are you? Good you're morning. You're so different because <laughs> you're not being a jerk to me. <laughs> you're not. But, but you're not treating me badly. Yeah, it's such like, a novel concept. Why, why are you not yelling at me? Right. You're supposed to be yelling at me. Right. I'm complaining about your food. No, you're not complaining about my food. You're just telling me your opinion of my food. And right. I'm going to try to fix that for you. Amazing. Whatever it may be. All right, so let's circle back to the Wolf Pack. You talked about uh, shooting the episode with with um, with Tony Luke. Tell us about the show, your involvement in it. Obviously, you can't tell us about any outcomes because it hasn't come out as of the recording of this episode. So right. go ahead and, and fill us in what's going on with the Wolf Pack. Uh, so I... Um, you want the long version? Sure. We're good? Okay. So uh, I'm out on the food truck. I'm in Jersey City or Weehawken, New Jersey. I'm literally about 10 minutes away from opening the window uh, to serve dinner in a very, very popular spot that we that we um, vend at for a group called uh, Food Trucks on the Move. Uh, it's an organization that uh, books for us, and then they uh, take a commission. That's cool. Uh, it's very cool. Uh, it's, a, it's a great relationship. So we... Um, so I'm, I'm literally about to go, and my phone is ringing, and it's Tony, and it's he's ringing. Like, normally he'll ring, and then he'll just won't leave a message, and that's just a signal, hey, within the next 48 hours, you can yeah, call me give back. Me, give me a call back. He's hyper busy. Yeah. His schedule's, like, yep. you know, really yep. busy. Um, and, but he kept calling. I wasn't answering. And I'm like, what? I'm like, what? <laughs> so I call him back, and he goes, Listen, I'm walking I'm walking into a gig. I think he had a comedy act that night. He goes, I'm walking into a gig. I need you to call this number. I'm going to text you the number right now. Um, this has you written all over it. I can't give you details. You need to call California right now. They're three hours behind. I just hung up with the executive producer, Craig Shoemaker, and uh, just call him. And he texts me the cell phone number. So I call up. I'm like, uh, and I'd met Craig at... Craig uh, does stand-up comedy and um, was mm -hmm. performing at the uh, Hard Rock down in Atlantic City, and Tony opened for him one night. Nice. And so I went to go, and uh, they're both extremely funny. Um, I sit there, and so I call Craig. Hi, it's Mike Peacock. And uh, he goes, I, I've heard about you. And um, he goes, so I uh, hope you don't mind. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you on hold. I'm going to put you on a three-way call with another executive producer by the name of Lee Abbott. And... Um, um, we get on this call, they explain what they're doing. And, um, you know, they said, we can't promise you right now, but we're very interested in bringing you on the show. Are you willing to do it? And I'm like instantaneous. Yes. Um, and, uh, so what it pertains to, it's called the wolf pack. Some people may compare it to shark tank where the only real comparison is that, um, there are five investors, uh, prospective investors. Right. And so this show is very different because this show is not about the blood. You know, you, you watch Shark Tank and, and, you know, you're an entrepreneur and you're nervous and you're sweating and you go up in front of these five extremely successful mm -hmm. billionaires mm -hmm. um, who are pretty much going to rip you apart and, you, and your business apart um, in front of the whole world you're on TV. And will they invest? Will they not? You know, and, and it goes through this whole courtship and they either laugh at you or they invest. Right. And some of those investors... Uh, and some of those investments on, the, on that particular show have gone through the roof. Mm -hmm. This show is very different because it's not about the blood. It's about giving back. 
um, this show is actually designed around um, five prospective investors, all from the Philly area, all very, very, very successful entrepreneurs, um, uh, all with a lot of different skill sets, but also very specific skill sets, which mm. are very attractive to a to an entrepreneur like me. You know, I've been at it almost four years. I'm still considered a startup. And um, I hate that word, but I am considered as much, much work as I've put into it. I'm still <laughs> at a startup level. So, um, so, um, so uh, I was invited. Um, I guess they talked amongst themselves. Uh, they called me back. Um, they said, all right, we're filming in two weeks. I'm like, what? And they're like, oh, yeah, we're filming in two weeks. Um, you're going to be the first entrepreneur to go. I'm like, oh, wonderful. How do you prepare for that? Talk to you later, Mike. Click. So, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. They were, I'm kidding. Uh, no, Craig and, and Lee were very open. Uh, they were a text or a phone call away. That's I awesome. had questions out the wazoo. Very but cool. anyway, as we got, we got into it, we got into shooting. Uh, the show is going to be on uh, Amazon Prime as well as Eagles Network, mm-hmm. um, as well as other uh, right, because the Philadelphia outlets. Eagles are affiliated with it. They are affiliated with it. Uh, to what degree, at what level, I don't know. Um, I, I know it's um, because the show is about giving back. It's about working with different um, organizations and charities uh, in the show. Uh, they gave awesome me a concept. choice. Uh, it is an awesome. It's an amazing concept. Amazing. You know, I, I said to Craig Shoemaker, um, I think it was the last day of shooting. I said, when you get an Emmy, can I be invited? <laughs> like, can I just go? Come on, I'll fly out to California. Can you be a seat filler? I just, that's it. I just want to sit there and watch, you know. Um, you know, and so we, so we, um, they asked me, you know, Mike, what, what do you, you know, what's close to your heart? I work with a, you know, as far as giving back, um, you know, little time I have when I do have time, I make time for a group uh, called Chefs on a Mission in Atlantic City. Um, headed up by uh, Chef George and some of the other chefs uh, from the Atlantic City Convention Center. We actually use a convention center kitchen, and we cook for the Salvation Army. Wow. Um, they do it a lot more than I do. I'm only able to go in there just before Thanksgiving and just before uh, the Christmas holiday. And um, I, I'm amazed by, A, the size of the kitchen. Is a, you need a golf cart to drive from one side of the kitchen wow. to the other. Um, wow. Yeah, it's huge. Absolutely massive. And it's what's really cool about it is it's just before Thanksgiving and all the top chefs retired or not from all the casinos and, I mean, some world-famous chefs, uh, celebrity chefs, uh, there's no ego. Everyone shows up and everybody wow. has one focus. A lot of bloody food going out. I mean, Amazing. turkeys, like 300 turkeys. And uh, I, the first wow. year I did it, we did 1,500 pounds of yellowfin tuna steaks. And the, the, what's cool is all the food is donated. And it's all donated. So the fit, the local fish market, uh, I don't know which fish market, and I apologize to whoever it was, but um, uh, donated all these tunas. Incredible. And I spent probably four hours searing tuna, uh, marinated tuna steaks. And um, it, uh, this year it was uh, hams and, and turkeys and carving up turkeys and making stuffing. And when I say make stuffing, I'm not saying a bowl full. Mm-hmm. I'm saying... 500 pounds of it. Yeah, barrels. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, like a massive amount, you know? It's and uh, It's a lot of fun. And I'm, lear- I'm learning from these chefs, but it's really cool to give back. And and it's just, that's all what it's all about. There's no Super set cool. hours. If you can only spare two hours, come in and cook for two hours and then leave, whatever it is. Um, 
there's a there's quite a bit of press involvement from the Atlantic City local Atlantic City area. So anyway, as we get into shooting Wolfpack, that was my charity to give back, and they wanted to film me cooking for them, and we were unable to set it up, and they didn't okay. want to, you know, for for logistical reasons, you know, everything else. What they did was they started uh, the producers reached out to a local Philadelphia rescue mission um, Sunday breakfast. And uh, so we got to go into the uh, rescue mission and start filming there. So uh, here we are, you know, sound people, camera people, makeup artists. I mean, a full Hollywood production walking into this into this little rescue mission and literally taking over the kitchen. Uh, <laughs> Chef George and um, and Chef Wolfgang um, and Chef Luigi, uh, Chef Ray, Chef Rob, a lot, lot of different chefs showed up came all the way from Atlantic City over. Wow. Uh, we showed up, and we literally took over the kitchen. Wolfgang Puck? Uh, it wasn't Wolfgang Puck, okay. no. It's, it's another, another Wolfgang. Okay. He is, he is a, a quite a famous chef, but um, we'll just leave his last name out of it. Got but it. He, um, and so they, we go in there, and we, and we cook, and we, uh, we did actually Chinese food, and we did uh, lo mein and, and general sauce chicken and stuff like that, and they're filming us doing it, and then we get to serve everybody after that. And then it was a hard stop. They take me out in the parking lot. They do an interview. Then they take my my food truck up to uh, Tony's Pizza, and I, and I apologize, I can't remember the town. Um, we went in, and that's how that I first met the the Wolfpack members at that point. Um, so we do some filming there. Then we bounce back to uh, Love City Brewing mm-hmm. in Philly, mm-hmm. pulled the truck inside, got more filming going on in there. Um, patrons trying to try my food. They're interviewing patrons. I'm not watching it all. I'm on the truck serving people. And... Um, and so after that all ended, it all, all ended about 7.30 at night, something like that. Everybody went back to their base of operations. I went back, um, parked the truck. Next morning, um, 11, 11 a.m.? Yeah, 11 a.m., I'm in Eagle Stadium. Um, they got me sitting in one of the uh, suites. Wow. Just kind of sipping on a soda and kind of reminiscing the, the day before. And I'm, it's really cool because I'm watching them. They're mowing the field. And I'm like, why are they mowing the field? I'm like, it's completely off-season. Why are they mowing the field? Then it dawned on me. They're taking me out on the field, and they wanted to look awesome. And I'm going, so I, I looked at one of the executive producers, I'm like, since I'm in the stadium, is there a chance I can just walk out on to just experience that? And he looks at me, he goes, I'm not talking to you. And just walks away from me. I'm like, okay, just keep your mouth shut, Mike. You know, let them do their thing. Just let it ride. You know, he was yeah. happy about it. But, yeah, um, a lot of filming was going on there. They take me down into the the locker room area, and uh, we did some filming. Uh, Tony Luke Jr. showed up for that as well, and, and um, coached me through the end process of the filming. And um, and uh, yeah, I, mean, I definitely needed his help in a lot of different ways. It was all new to me, but it was all very exciting. And um, everyone's going to have to watch the show to see uh, what the outcome was. Awesome. Looking forward to it. That's really cool. And that'll be on Amazon Prime and Eagles TV. Eagles, uh, Network. Eagles Network TV is 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 carrying it. I know that. Uh Eagles Prime Video. Uh, Eagles, sorry, Amazon Prime Video is mm-hmm. carrying it. Um Very I don't cool. know when it's scheduled to come out. Um they're working on it. They filmed me, but they also filmed three other entrepreneurs from Philly. Um one was a, a beauty salon um and uh with a special app. And um, cool. another one was a protein bar company, and another one was a uh, a sports memorabilia company. 
Awesome. And so they only pick one, or um, they can pick all. Okay, they can, they pick, can pick. Uh, okay. I, I don't Got even. It. I don't even know the outcome of the Got other it. ones at all. And there's some social uh, social cause associated with every single organization. There's yeah, every organization has some some sort of a nonprofit that really? they're involved awesome. in. And, awesome. and mine just happened to be cooking, and uh, so we got to cook with uh, Sunday breakfast, which was an awesome experience. Very and cool. um, uh, I'll be going back there without the cameras for sure. Awesome. I, I love helping out. And so, yeah, so if I have time, yeah. I, I will go in there. And call. Yeah, I actually, as an attorney, aside from uh, on the show, we do have a fair bit of nonprofits that come through here and that we help um, kind of get their message out. And we, we talk about different issues. Right. I, I really think nonprofits and startups are very similar, usually uh, under-resourced, yeah. usually, you know, lacking capacity, yep. usually very passionate, yep. but all hands on deck kind of thing, right? Yep. Um, but tangentially, aside from that, as a as a law firm and as an attorney, I volunteer for Wills for Heroes, which okay. is a, a a nonprofit that helps provide estate plans for free for first responders. So that's a good one. How cool is that? Um, yeah, I do yeah. that that on occasion. Love working with that organization. It's great. Time flies. You're helping these people get their estate planning documents done. Yep. And then involved in, uh, I serve on the board of two nonprofits as well. So I, I totally feel where you're coming from. It's such a rewarding way to kind of keep yourself motivated yep. and, and do something else that's that's beneficial, but also kind of creative, gets you out of your comfort zone. I, th- I don't think a lot of, well, I don't know, but, uh, you know, in the, you know, there are fundamentals to being an entrepreneur. One of them is giving back. If you're an entrepreneur that you, you just don't don't care enough to give back, go work for someone because you're not going to make it. Um, you, That's a good point. You have to, if you're an entrepreneur, a, tr- a real entrepreneur, um, you have to give back um, because there are many blessings that have been given to you. You have to give back. You know, it's just, a, it's just kind of part of the Yeah, you, you see and hear it about it a lot in, in the context of tithing, you know, giving back a, either, whether it's a percentage of your time or right. a percentage of your earnings right. back to right. some form of a social cause and right. benefit. Right. right. And and you you read about it a lot in in from very very successful people who write biographies or autobiographies right. and you see it all the time so that's a great point um, never really thought about it in that context but that that is a good point mm. well Mike thank you so much for your time how can people get in touch with you if they're looking to reach out or if they want to hear or get more information about the Flying Pie Guy so uh, the Flying Pie Guy we're we're on um, you know, we have theflyingpieguy.com. And uh, we're on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram um, at, at the Flying Pie Guy. Um, I'm on LinkedIn personally, um, and uh, I don't monitor the LinkedIn that often. I just <laughs> never have time to go. Yep. Um, we can be reached at the office. Uh, if you're interested in catering or uh, catering the truck, that's another big thing is um, we love doing weddings and corporate corporate catering events. Um, cool. The phone number is 1-800-988-1722. Um, and, uh, most of our customers actually email me through Facebook and Instagram. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Awesome. Thanks Mike. This was really, really great. Thanks, Thanks for me. coming on the show. That was very exciting. Thank you. Thanks. Have a great day. 